Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. This is, in a sense, a part two from what we did in our last episode. We've been looking at biblical prophecy in the teaching of Irenaeus, who was writing between about 190 and 200. And this great early church father was a millenarian. That is, he was pre-mill. They didn't use that language back then. That's what we use today. By pre-mill, we mean that the second coming of Christ would precede a 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ on earth. That's what pre-mill is. And I want to be very upfront in that the pre-mill viewpoint was very widespread in the early church until the time of St. Augustine and St. Jerome. And so that's why I'm taking while kind of a pause as we look in biblical prophecy and the teachings of Irenaeus and deal with the millennial question, because I have high respect for Irenaeus, yet he was a millenarian. I'm not. I don't think the Catholic Church is. So we have to figure out why is that? And you've noticed the tagline for this radio show is biblical prophecy in a tradition of St. Augustine. It's because of this. And your whole viewpoint of the millennium will influence your entire interpretations of biblical prophecy. You'll go to the same passage and look at it, and one, say, the pre-mill viewpoint, would interpret that passage within that framework. Somebody from the amill viewpoint would say, no, the present reign of Christ is now, which happens then before the second coming of Christ. These are big differences. And you'd look at the same passage and come up with a different conclusion on how that would apply and how that outlook for the future is. And it's amazing how little the question of the millennium is really discussed. It took me years, many years, to come to the point. Basically, I landed in the camp of St. Augustine, but it was after wrestling within the pre-mill viewpoint, trying to understand these things and not giving an adequate amount of time to understanding the millennium question. If you get the millennium question right, even though you're stumbling around trying to answer some particulars here or there in Daniel or Revelation, you'll come out okay because you're basically put yourself in the right ball field. You'll have an understanding of where you are and what's going on. Now, I had one of the listeners to Luke 21 Radio write me and say, uh, what translation of the City of God do you recommend? Because I like Luke 21 Radio, this interests me, and I'm ready to take on City of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, not trying to discourage anybody from reading St. Augustine's City of God. It's a masterpiece of Western Christian literature, yet uh, my edition has seven. 118 pages. I looked at another edition. It has a thousand pages. That's a lot of reading. Now, this is going to save you a lot of time, okay? And again, read the whole thing, but 
you can go online to newadvent.org. And I think New Advent is a Catholic website. And if you're a Protestant listening and you don't trust Catholic websites for biblical prophecy, there's plenty of Protestant websites who have digital uh, copies of the City of God and go there. Say So you go to the City of God. You want to go to Book 20 and chapters 6 through 10, roughly, will cover Revelation 20. Okay, again, St. Augustine, City of God, book 20, chapters 6 through 10. And that will get you your questions answered in the tradition of St. Augustine, the questions about Revelation 20, because Revelation 20 is key for understanding the millennium. And then the good part of what I just recommended to you, again, that was at New advent.org. It's about 12 pages, depending on the formatting of whatever website you go to, maybe 20, but you know, a dozen pages versus a thousand pages. It'll save you a lot of time. Those were so key. And I'll tell you, I have it in hard copy and uh, minor underline uh, highlighted, and I have it in digital, and that's probably highlighted. It's so critical for understanding all of biblical prophecy. I don't think I would be doing this broadcast apart from the understanding of Revelation 20. I'd still be in confusion land, but thanks for St. Augustine, I'm here today. Now, I'm going to give you just a paragraph here, a critical one, from the City of God, chapter, uh, book 20, excuse me, chapter 7. All right, he goes, the evangelist John has spoken of these two resurrections in the book, which is called the Apocalypse, okay? And the two resurrections in the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, is chapter 20. But he spoke in such a way that some Christians do not understand the first of the two. So the question is, what is the first resurrection? And so, because they don't understand the first of the two, they so construe the passage into ridiculous fancies. For the Apostle John says, blessed and holy is he who hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priest of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And if you really want to know what the millennium is, it's the nature of of the messianic or the Messiah's kingly rule, this period described as a thousand years. It could be taken literal, the pre-mill people do, or amillennial, it's just a figurative speech for a really long time. And I know there are people who say you can only take it literally, and yet the chapters before and the chapters after, they don't take literally. So we can relax about that a little bit. So he goes on, those who on the strength of this passage have suspected that the first resurrection is future and bodily, have moved, among other things, especially by the number of a thousand years. So the question is, is the first resurrection something that's bodily and future, or is it present? And you might say, and you know, it'd be a good, honest question, Steve, Okay, if Christians are priests 
and kings reigning with Christ a thousand years where where's my robes and where's where's my kingship? I don't feel anything about this. I don't see anything about this. What's up? And I think I I showed you how St. Augustine looks at Revelation 20 through the lens of John 5. Same author, same subject, two resurrections called by Jesus. Uh, John 5 is clear. Revelation 20 is a little difficult. In fact, it's very difficult. Only took me 20 or 30 years to figure it out. So, in Ephesians, St. Paul is another lens to look through to view Revelation 20. I read this for you last time, but this is critical. Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 6. When we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together. Now, if you're dead and you're made alive, you've been what? Resurrected. So, made us alive together with him and raised us up. To be raised up, if you're dead, is to be resurrected, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, where is Christ seated? We know from Daniel 7 and other texts that Christ is seated on the royal throne of the entire universe at the right hand of God the Father. And it says, and seated us with him. This is an accomplished fact. Now, I know that it's it's staggering, but let's go on. Colossians 2, we have been buried with him in baptism. You see, baptism joins us in this utterly profound covenant union with Christ in which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So as Christ raised physically from the dead, ascending into the heavens and to the right hand of God, sitting on the throne of God, we are joined in a profound way with him in the present time. You may not have noticed this, but the Catholic Catechism teaches this. In section 1003, it says, united with Christ by baptism, believers already participate in the heavenly life of the risen Christ. And then it quotes Ephesians 2. And what this is talking about is a present reality. You know, family and friends know I spent a lot of time on biblical prophecy. By the way, these are short broadcasts, but I spent a lot of time prepping for them and researching them. So they, they say, you know, Steve or Dad, you know, how close is the end and this and that? And that's that's a big question. Of course, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so Christ told us that. But here's one thing I do know that's just as significant. It's that in the pre-Christian era, there was the present time and the future time, two times, okay? And that's what biblical prophecy looked at. But there was something that happened with Jesus that is just totally uh, an expansive miracle in that the future has invaded the present. Now, we're not resurrected physically, but that terminology that I shared with you early on as we began Luke 21 radio, the already and not yet, not yet, we're not yet physically resurrected with Christ, but already we have positioned with him. 
And here's another section from the Catechism, and hear this. 2796, when the church prays, our Father who art in heaven, she is professing that we are the people of God already seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you pray and when the church prays at Mass, we don't have to shout. We're already there as far as our position with him. You know, there's a a term people use that if, if you really know somebody important, like say, if you're capable of calling the governor of your state, just dialing him up and he'll pick up and answer the question. Hey, what, you know, how can I help you? Okay, that's what we call influence. And this is my definition of when the catechism is talking about we're able to pray because we're seated with Christ in the heavens next to the heavenly father. We don't have to yell. Uh, this is my definition, quote, prayer is a royal function of those with influence in the throne room of the universe. You see, we are already reigning with Christ. And one way we extend that reign is thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and praying specific uh, uh, petitions for God's will to be done. This is reigning with Christ right now. And this is something that's very difficult to get across to our minds, but reigning with Christ in the present era is the millennium as taught by Jesus and John and Augustine and Jerome. And I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 253 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.